welcome to a new edition of the Canadian Crew Podcast. I'm Jorge Castillo. One of the superb movies produced in Canada in the past year, a crop that includes Les Atres Shares, Sleeping Giant, and Into the Forest, Closet Monster is a notch edgier by incorporating elements such as magic realism and sexuality to a not quite traditional coming of age story. There is a complexity to the characters of Closet Monster that makes them compelling even when behaving at their worst. The protagonist, Oscar, makes a series of questionable decisions, yet we understand the origin of each one of them. In any other movie, a talking hamster could be perceived as hockey. In Closet Monster, it's revealing. In A Canadian Crew First, we talk with both the director of Closet Monster, Stephen Dunn, and the film's lead actor, Connor Jessup. Welcome to The Canadian Crew. Thank you. Thank you. Um, if you don't mind, Stephen, uh, would you mind introducing the film? Uh, sure. Um, Closet Monster is a coming-of-age drama, kind of yeah. comedy, I guess. Uh, no, but remember? Gay body horror. Gay body horror is what we call it. No, uh, That's a joke. But um, <laughs> it's a coming-of-age film about a young man named Oscar Madley. He's growing up in, in St. John's, Newfoundland, um, and trying to discover his personality, his, his identity uh, amidst, um, you know, a, a turbulent relationship with his, with his father and, and he's an aspiring special effects makeup artist uh, determined to leave his hometown and, um, and move to New York. Um, but uh, he's also um, de dealing with conflicting feelings about his sexuality uh, after he meets uh, a young man who works in a hardware store, in the hard store hardware store that he works at. <laughs> Sorry, it's a, I've had an early morning. <laughs> do you need to empathize with a character in order to play it? And if so, how do you connect with Oscar? Yeah, I think, uh, of course, you have, to, you have to empathize with the character. I think it's probably the only thing that you have to do um, that's a requirement. Uh, I can't imagine how you would play a character without some sort of some degree of empathy. Um, you know, it doesn't. It's not. It's not just empathy. I think in the same way that it's, it's sort of like your relationship to yourself. You know, everyone empathizes with themselves, but you. But that can also be mixed up with feelings of um, self pity, and uh, you know, it's it it, it. it does. It's not. It's not necessarily just soft empathy. I guess I would say, but. But I think you have to, you absolutely have to have it. Um, as far as Oscar, it actually wasn't, it was, wasn't that difficult because, um, in term, in, specifically in terms of identifying, because he, it's a coming of age story. You know, it's a, it's a story about an adolescent struggling, like Stephen said, to, uh, with who he is, with his family, with, with who he wants to be, with where he wants to live, with um, his relationship to himself. And I think I certainly identify with that. I think everyone identifies with that. So in a way, it's it's it. What's I think the re, the power of a good coming of age film is that it's this open door to every viewer who watches it. Because if it's done well, it taps into one of the few universal universally shared experiences. Mm -hmm. um, so as an actor, it's a, it's been a real um, you know it's it's been a gift. Mm -hmm. How, has, how did the ch character of Oscar change from the page to Connor's portrayal? 
Uh, well, it just it got horrible as soon as we started working. It took a massive just, step like, backwards. Yeah. Um, I'm kidding, obviously. But, um, you know, this it was a very... It's a very personal film for me. It's a very... And it's a very like intimate process sharing, sharing these experiences and these stories. Like writing it was one of them was a very, um, it's a very challenging process for me. And then I didn't really think about beforehand what what an enormous um, challenge it could be to to you know now work with an actor to to portray this character. And. Um, I was so I was so impressed with with Connor's um, his his dedication and um, and 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 his his seriousness about about this role. Like it's a it's like you know it's a it's a film it's a coming of age film, but it also has a lot of elements of of magic realism, surrealism, um, and it tends to lean t more towards the imaginative side. And Connor was really was really trusting of 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 me in this vision like he re he believed in in the um the style i guess in, in which this film was this story was being told and um you know we there were there were a lot of challenges i think um that uh, to, to face you know in dealing with like you know one of your best friends is like a talking hamster and um how to how to you know find that intimacy and, and vulnerability when with you know with, with a character that's not there but Connor was so well prepared, and more prepared than I even really expected. I'd never, uh, I, 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 I didn't know what to expect, to be honest. But he, he, we, we, di we had a lot of like discussions beforehand, and, and I, we were sharing like literature back and forth. And, and um, but when we, we, he arrived in Newfoundland, um, I, I was so, I was so impressed by his like dedication and his ability to, to, to explore something that for me was so personal and, and, and elevated and. And into a, into a, a fully formed character, I, I felt like I was in really great hands collaborating with him. Um, probably not the, mo the most pressing question, but how do you act against a hamster? <laughs> it's it, mm. yeah, it's it's weird, weirdly. Um, it's it's there's there's a few different types and of and a talking scenes. hamster as well. Talking like, did you have somebody feeding you? The yeah, our. our our first AD uh, gloriously portraying uh, <laughs> portrayed Buffy on set. I, my original idea when I was like in the you know head in the clouds portion of prep for the movie was some convoluted like maybe we should like have a mirror so it's like I'm talking to myself and because like it's a Freudian device blah blah mm -hmm. blah blah blah. But of course when you're actually shooting that's you know it's, you just go 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 go. <laughs> um, so it, you know, it's just, in a way he is talking to himself though. Mm -hmm. So it, you kind of have to think about it. Or when I prepped it, I prepped it as if I was doing a scene with any other character. You know, I'm like, I, I'm trying to get certain things from them and I'm reacting certain ways to the things that they're saying. So it, it's just, you know, sometimes when you're acting with, a, with an actor, that you, you know, the camera's in front of them or mm -hmm. they're, Behind a, a, a flag or mm -hmm. something, so sometimes you have to, and you're talking to like a piece of uh, tape. tape on yeah, the wall yeah, or yeah. something, right? Like some, that's just what, act, what acting in movies is. Right. So it wasn't that different from that. Mm. Um, it, it's weird though, and because the, the original conception for for the hamster was in the script and on set 
was that it was going to sound robotic, like a Siri voice. Mm -hmm. And then Isabella Rossellini came along, um, which <laughs> is a very different, obviously a very different feeling. Um, and not only, so not only did that change the tone of those scenes, but the, some of the dialogue was actually changed. Like mm -hmm. some of my dialogue obviously wasn't changed, but some of her responses were changed. And you really can't, it's seamless in the movie. Like you really mm -hmm. don't notice. I, I already forget what the original dialogue mm -hmm, was. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it was like, I hate to say it, but a lot of it was like movie magic and mm -hmm. trickery too. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a mixture of things. Okay. Your film, uh, while it's opening just now, why release, um, has been around the film festival circuit for a while. And I'm wondering if the film has been received the way you expect it to be, mm -hmm. if there's any misconception that you will have rather not have. Mm -hmm. How has been your experience? Um, it's been, I mean, it's been a really positive experience. We've, uh, I've been very fortunate actually to be able to travel uh, with the film like fairly often. And I always find it so exciting to like share it with a new audience in like a new country because the reaction is, is very different, um, you know, in, in different countries, um, you know. Um, so it's, um, you know, I have no expectations at all with this in, in terms, I never, you know, I never really do have expectations in terms of like how a film will be received because I, I all, all my work tends to be somewhat personal um, in some way or another, Closet Monster being probably the most personal ever. And for this film, I wanted to, I just, I was making something personal for me just to get, you know, process my own internal emotions and figure out some things for myself maybe, but um, being able to see different cultures react, you know, like in, in South Korea and how, how different and, and uh, the, their reaction would be from like England and, it's it's fascinating to me to to see how you know how it can be interpreted. I mean, I feel like the interpretation is generally the same, but cultural reactions can be quite can be quite different. You know, there might be something that like gets a lot of laughter in um, in one country, and then in another, it's like interpreted very seriously, which was something that um, I definitely noticed, and and it's really. I, it's, to me, that's really exciting because that's that's where your audience gets to interact with your your project. Right. Now, you have a film, you have a short film uh, being shown tonight, I believe, in the yeah. Oh, is it tonight? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. At, at in Toronto? Yeah, short snuff. Short snuff. Right. Right. Now, how do you you have worked with a number of directors? Mm -hmm. How how your experience as an actor has informed your work as a director? In almost every way. I, I've been on set sets since I was 11 years old. Um, I le I've learned everything I know about the, the practical side of making movies mm -hmm. from. Uh, uh, sorry, it's just That's a little right. uh, The practical side of making movies from from working as an actor. You know, from like you said, from working with a lot of different directors, but not just directors, with a lot of different cinematographers and mm -hmm. crews and a lot of different styles and all different types of sets, sizes of sets, sizes of movies and mm -hmm. shows. Um, it's an, it's a, it was an enormous, and it continues to be obviously, and I think will continue to be an enormous education for me. Um, uh, so it really, it's hard to draw the lines. I, 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 you learn a lot about how to direct. I think you learn a lot more about how not to direct. Mm -hmm. um, Is there a best, best practice that you can identify? 
Sorry? Is that a best practice or something that you're sure that will never do? That I will never do? Or will, yeah. Um, I'll never give the direction more energy um, because it's meaningless. Uh, I... There's a lot, you know, there's a lot, I think, there's a lot, I will always go to costume meetings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I've, without, I won't name anyone, obviously, but especially on TV, movies are different, but it always shocked me how okay some directors were with not being involved mm -hmm. in certain decisions um, that seemed to me integral to the process of filmmaking. Um, I'll always try and keep chains of communication open, for example, between the costume art and camera departments. I think I've been on too many sets where all three arrive having done completely independent work and there's no sense of cohesion to color palettes, to aesthetics. I think it's incredibly important that your entire crew, not just those departments, but especially those departments, work as one body. I think it's very hard, and it's you know I've seen people do it better than others. I've seen people try and do it and fail. It's uh, it's very hard, and because the truth is you can do that, but underneath it you still need a, a vision that's strong. But I think that's a basic requirement of being a good filmmaker. Okay. Mm -hmm. Steven, you have mentioned uh, that while the, while the film has a autobiographical elements, it's not it's not a direct. Mm -hmm. It's not yeah. It's, it's, which is which, which is fair. Now, when, when you first showed the film to people who knew you, were you ner nervous or...? Well, we haven't screened in Newfoundland yet, um, which is my hometown. Um, there, we're releasing theatrically there on the 22nd. Um, and I will be there. And I'm, you know, I'm actually... And just to clarify, yeah, it's not autobiographical. Yeah. It is personal, though, and inspired by some experiences. but. It's not autobiographical, but I, it doesn't change the fact that I'm very nervous to share it with my with my hometown. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, you know, family and whatnot. See, like, uh, I'm I'm definitely nervous and excited, and um, a lot of like, there's a lot of emotions happening. I'm very, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very grateful to be able to like be able to bring it there as well. Like that's. We're all, we're also playing in the movie theater where I uh, had you know I grew up in go, I going I went going to see films there, um, so there's something very nostalgic and and uh, surreal about um, being being back home with now my first my first film, um, but it certainly comes with a, a, a lot of fear. Did you um, act, did you internalize the character to the point that you, it became second nature, or did you act what it was on the page? It's sort of a, a, a mix. I, I, it's, it's what's on the page, you know, I don't, I'm not uh, method-y, and I don't, you know, it's not, you hear stories, I, I've never actually encountered it. If you hear stories about actors, you know, the lines between the actor and the person becoming blurred and the actor getting confused and I've never, it's never been part of my work or really anyone I've worked with the way that they function. Um, 
it's never, you know, the truth is on a movie, maybe theater is different, but on a movie, it's never that hard to remember the artifice of it because you're shooting, you know, you're shooting many different setups and angles. You're, you're, you're doing it over and over. There's, you, you really only shoot for a minute or two at a time at most. There's 70 people around. So it's, it's never that hard to, to, um, to remember. And also, you know, the, the important thing as for an actor, like every person on a movie, is to do what you can to serve the director's vision. And in this case, the director was also the writer. So the script is actually, with the exception of a couple scenes that were lost and small changes here and there, the script, I think, is, if I remember properly, is remarkably similar to the final movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the, the, the characters that uh, struck me as particularly interesting was the Aaron Abrams. Mm-hmm. Because you, you go into, going into the film, at the start of the film, you have a positive predisposition to, towards him, mm-hmm. which goes... It sort of unravels, him. yeah. Exactly. Um, how complicated it was to create this character? Yeah, I think I think developing the role of Peter, who is who plays um, Oscar's father, who is Oscar's father, mm-hmm. um, is was it was maybe the most challenging aspect um, of the development process. I, I you know I really it was really important for me not to just portray this 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 man as like a, a bigoted bigoted father. You know he he it was very important for me to to demonstrate the, the love that he has for his son and uh, and his family and and just how much he is actually you know uh, struggling himself with his his own feelings of rejection and 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 loss uh, and how that kind of breaks him and and uh, the film I, I I you know I hope that was my biggest hope was to you know per, you know portray the the his perspective as well and be honest to him because he ultimately he does become an antagonist to Oscar's coming of age but he he does love his son and he um, he just isn't emotionally stable enough in this moment to be the father that Oscar needs him he, he fails him and um, and I think there's something just so much more fascinating to me about that kind of a relationship over a uh, you know, a simplified, like, oh, he's a shitty dad. Like, I don't need to understand his perspective. I want to understand his perspective. And I think a lot of that had to do with Aaron Abrams' performance. Uh, Aaron comes from a, a background in, uh, in comedy and has sort of a natural disposition of, of being, like, an affable, like, charming guy. And he, um, he, brought, he brought that to the character. Um, and... Uh, you know that's that's like really to his credit I think as well he, he elevated the role I think in a in a, in a, in a really positive way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Connor, um, you're coming out from two fairly two TV shows, mm-hmm. uh, and is there a plan to your career, or you just jump you just jump into the, uh, something that interests you? No plan at all. Huh. I think as an actor especially. Uh, Plan to have any sort of plan is a major mistake, mm-hmm. because as an actor you, you have no real control unless you're one of very 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 few who has you know twenty projects in front of you and then you pick your next one and 
you know, but there's like 10 of those people in the world. Uh, anything below that, you really just have to go where opportunity is. And um, you, you hope that you, you hope that uh, interesting people are attracted to you. You hope that you're attracted to interesting people. You know, you, it's hard to, it's hard to know from a script, to be honest, what the movie will turn out as. I've read a lot of interesting scripts that turned out quite poorly. Mm. Um, I've read scripts that didn't do much for me that I watched later and I'm like, wow, that was pretty good. Um, so it's really mostly intuition um, and luck. Like, you know, it's, 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 it's a lot of luck. I'd say it's like 75% luck. So no, no plan. Um, uh, I, as a filmmaker, I have a little more of a plan or like a, you know, asp like specific aspirations, I guess you would say. But I'm very nervous that even that is setting myself up for, uh, for the world to, to pull me apart. You've been released like a possible Emmy nominee. Have you heard? You must have heard about this, right? Uh, it's happening in like an hour. I'll, I, I'll believe you. <laughs> Uh, if you if you you could stay for half an hour and re record the the quiet, subdued disappointment. <laughs> um, well, that leads me to what's next for you. Um, I'm uh, I'm developing my next feature now, which is also set in Newfoundland. It's based on uh, these true events that began in the 50s after Newfoundland joined Canada, where 50,000 people were forced to resettle off of these very distant from islands around the coast of Newfoundland and they weren't given enough money to move and they basically had to uproot um, everything they owned, including their homes, and float their houses across the Atlantic Ocean. And my film is about a family that, um, who, who are la the last to resettle off of a very distant island and um, what happens is as they're floating, the conditions get too rough and the boat gets separated from the house and the women are are, are trapped inside the house, the men go missing. And the film centers on a mother and daughter who are um, basically um, floating aimlessly in the, on, the, across, on the Atlantic Ocean in their house. Newfoundland is a tremendous location that doesn't really get used mm -hmm. enough for filming. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. It's very challenging to get to, though, because it's, it's quite, quite remote and um, and uh, it's a very specific culture, and I'm, you know, I'm. Uh, I think there's a lot of Newfoundlanders are very proud, <laughs> a very proud bunch. We 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 once we, we never truly leave, um, and I think that's it's becoming more and more important to me to share our stories about our, our culture and because our history. You know, there's a great fear that our, our, our culture is changing. We're, we're constantly amalgamating to like North American culture and, and, and it will be subsumed entirely unless we should continue to share these stories. And so, I, you know, I, I'm constantly kind of feeling like a weight on my shoulders as well as like a, as, a, as, a, as an artist to, to you know, do, do what I can to, to preserve and represent the culture in the way that I know it. Um, yeah, it's very, it's becoming like a very important thing to me. Cool. Now, Connor, just to close, what are you next? Um, I am working on, most of my time is spent working on my first um, feature as a director, which I'm hoping to do. You're writing as well? Yeah, which I'm hoping to do next summer. Uh, and there's a few acting things that are, that <coughs> are hovering, but which I cannot speak about. Of course. Um, uh, 
but yeah, so that's actually the la at least for the last couple few months, that's been my main, my main focus. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Our thanks to Stephen Dunn and Conor Yesop, who unfortunately was not nominated for an Emmy. Closet Monster is now playing in Toronto. Opens this Friday, 22nd in Vancouver, St. John and Halifax, and is expected to expand further through the summer. I'm Jorge Castillo. Thank you for listening to the Canadian Crew podcast. You can reach us on Twitter at the Can Crew, on Facebook at the Canadian Crew page, or write us to the Canadian Crew email, all one word, on Gmail. Until next time. <laughs>